Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. Uh, my name is Dominic Booth and I'm delighted to be joined by Tyro Marshall and Samuel Luckhurst as usual. How are you both, gentlemen? Very well, Very thank good, you, Dom. Very good. Good to hear, good to hear. And it's another big game for Manchester United this weekend. They take on Liverpool again, this time in the FA Cup, after an important win in midweek over Fulham. 2-1 victory for United at Craven Cottage. So we'll, we'll talk about both those games and a few bits in between. Samuel, you were at the lovely Craven Cottage in midweek, got to be one of my favourite grounds, and United produced a, a really dogged and determined performance to to bounce back from from some early, I guess you'd say, controversy with a penalty and the early setback of the, the Luckman goal. How did you see that as a as a performance? Uh, unfortunately, Craven Cottage, as you say, is one of those bucolic grounds, but it, it wasn't. It really didn't look like that uh, in in the week, given the the weather and uh, the Riverside stand at the moment is just pretty much a, a construction site. I think time during it saying saying that Ben Thornley on MUTV had said it's, it's not really changed since I played there but obviously there's a whole stand that's been bulldozed and uh, I think probably the last time he did play there the, the putt the end was, was still uh, terraced so it, it has changed a fair bit despite that but I, I suspected going into that game that again it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a cakewalk for United. I know they've got a habit of um, grinding out wins away from home and they've not had an easy away win, uh, I would say, since probably the Villa game in July. And even that match, they were bailed out by a very, very dubious penalty award. Villa were pretty good up until that point. So they have a habit of making it difficult for themselves, of conceding first in games. But, um, I mean, Dave Kidd, who's a Fulham supporter, chief football writer at the Sun, he was sat along from me after Fulham scored, and he said, "Oh, this this always happens, doesn't it? I United always concede away from home, and then they go on and win." So the final score wasn't a surprise at all. But what what I'd say is that after they went to one up, and Cavani had that header, which he he really should have scored. It was a decent save by Ariola, but I think it was more a bad miss. They did make it difficult for themselves needlessly. I think Solskjaer took too long to make a substitution to re-energise the team to, to, to make them, just to reinforce them as well, because Fulham, they're such a physical side. And I think that's a credit to Park and that since Jamie Carragher said that I've never been so certain as anything in my life as Fulham getting relegated. When he said that, I suspect everyone agreed with him, but they have they've made some good additions to the team since then. They've got a lot of lone players in, but players that are clearly committed to the cause and towards the end United were, were hanging on in there and pretty lucky that they didn't concede. As I said before the game, I wouldn't have been surprised if United had dropped points there and, and certainly drawn and it, it did come close to that but it, it was another important win I think it was essential that they won that game as well after the Anfield game where there was a little bit of criticism um, in some course over their approach in that match not not from me and I think the criticism that came out from Jamie Carragher on the Monday night 
um, Monday Night Football was was well overboard, but they had to back up that performance and get an accreditable point there by beating Fulham. The problem a few years ago, um, after they had that, you know, where I, I do think they were unambitious at Anfield and drew nil nil. So the next week they went to Huddersfield, lost that game, and the wheels came off of the title challenge effectively that's that's where it all collapsed there and then so um history didn't repeat itself in that sense but you do wonder how how much longer they can go on winning away games winning games like this because again it gives the illusion that we're in the business end of the season or the final stretch is just around the corner when in reality we're only at the halfway stage and those gritty wins although they're very commendable and it shows that there's real metal about this team they're likely to come cropper sooner or later and they'll run out of time to get a winner. Yeah, so I saw a stat, Ty, that United have won more than double the amount of points um, from losing positions than any, any other team in the division. And I guess that it shows the, the mentality, if nothing else, built by this, uh, this Solskjaer coaching staff and the players that he's brought in, the likes of Cavani. You know, they are willing to scrap for everything. Fernandez obviously embodies that more than any anyone, but... Is Samuel got a point? Is is this sort of unsustainable for the rest of the season if United could continue the title charge? Yeah, I mean, it's unsustainable away from home because they've got some very difficult away games to come in the second half of the season. I think they've got four of the big six. I mean, it's dubious still keeping Arsenal in the big six, but we'll go with it for now just to, to prove this point um, to play away from home. So they've still got to go to Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, City. I mean, if they start poorly and go behind in some of those games, then you'd imagine, yes, it is unsustainable. I mean, what it does do is it, it breeds incredible belief that when you do go behind, it doesn't have to be, you know, cataclysmic in the end of the world. So, <clears throat> excuse me, when they do concede early against Fulham and start slowly against Fulham, having come back so many times, it kind of imbues that belief that they can do it again and they don't panic. And it was clear on, um, when was it, Wednesday now, that they, you know, they didn't panic, they kept calm, they kept playing. It probably helps that it's so early, but... They responded to going behind brilliantly, um, I thought. And I think that's borne out of the fact that they have come back so often now that when they do concede first, there's no need to panic. But yeah, I think given some of the fixtures they've got away from home, and, and it seems to be an issue more away from home than at home, that it is going to be unsustainable. The, the slow starts are a concern as well. They seem to have eroded them, but suddenly they're they're back really. And they were pretty sloppy even before the goal at Fulham on, on Wednesday and you know the defending for the goal and the communication was was really poor. They looked half asleep, really. So they will want to erode that from their game. But you know it, it just shows the belief that once you've done it two or three times, come from behind to win, you just keep doing it because you have that immense belief that you have conceded and you can get back on track and, and get the victory. Yeah, and, and nobody embodying that better at the moment than Paul Pogba. Samuel, we've talked, we've spoken about Pogba many times on this podcast. We've we've sort of gone from one extreme to the other, really, as have United fans on him. What Solskjaer should do with him, with the comments from Raiola, the inevitable departure that we think will happen in the summer. But I guess we've we've put all that aside now, and United have put all that aside to to get the best from Pogba. And I guess his attitude is, is commendable in, in recent weeks and also is the way that the Solskjaer's handled him. His pre- his professionalism has never been an issue at the club, even during the the tour of uh, Australasia and, and Asia, when he had come out and said it was time for a new challenge. United were actually quite keen to clarify that his professionalism wasn't a problem, that he was committed in training, he was playing in games. There, there were some mischievous stories at the time that he, he'd refused to travel to Cardiff, things like that. But I just think they were just so sensationalistically spun they were just inaccurate um 
it, it wasn't like he was refused to travel or anything like that. But I think some some of the Spanish speaking reporters were doing the bidding of Madrid at the time, just trying to create mischief when there was none whatsoever. And as you say, United are starting to to maximise his his talent. Uh, he's he's been very very good in the last three or four weeks. I think sometimes when you look at it on the when you just step back and look at the games he's played well in, it's probably three or four games, but they've been three or four games in succession and it's two weeks running that he's he scored a win um, away from home as well in, in, in really important matches. I think one of the, I mean, the, the strike was phenomenal. I was, I was right behind it. I was fortunate to have a great view of it and knew that it was going in pretty much before it entered the um before the ball actually entered the penalty area but looking at the replay there's so much more to admire about it like the way he brings the ball down in those conditions with the swirling rain he kills it he brings it inside Fulham didn't do much wrong other than just underestimate his uh, capacity to hit the ball that cleanly with his with his weaker foot and it was just it was just another indication of what a talent he is. And as I've said before, it's it's strange that we've re- we refer to Pogba and his talent when this is a player that turns 28 in a couple of months' time. But that's that's just the way it's been with him back at United. And at the moment, he absolutely has to start. He has to be accommodated. I think Solskjaer's use of him at Fulham was completely correct in that he played him back in central midfield in one of those, in that deep line role where he can control the game more. I think playing him there is is fair game against teams like Fulham, teams outside of the big five, as we might as well call it now, as, as Ty said. <laughs> Arsenal are really are an absolute irrelevance, despite United's horrendous record against them. Um, well, we get Leicester in the big six, maybe, as well, these days, instead of Arsenal. Yeah, well, I mean, that was a contentious point, because obviously there's a, that big six table on match the day that consisted of seven teams, and Everton fans were quite <laughs> unhappy that they weren't um, being that they were completely omitted from it as well. So um, I think that's my trail of, of thought here. But it's essentially Pogba is playing well, and yes, against certain teams, I don't think he should be playing in central midfield. But the way he's playing at the moment, he absolutely has to play, and there are ways of accommodating him. And who cares if you put Anthony Marshall's nose out of joint? Because at the moment, he certainly doesn't deserve to be starting. Ty, is this, is this Pogba sort of filling in the only blot on his copybook in his career? We've seen him shine with Juventus and win Serie A titles. We've seen him grace the World Cup. And, and that's what sometimes been used as a stick to beat him with at United, the fact that he is a World Cup winner, that he hasn't matched that level of performance at Old Trafford. But now it seems that he's making a charge, maybe in the last year of his United career, to, to win major honours with with his the club that obviously brought him through the academy. Is, is this sort of Pogba trying to silence a few of those doubters, do you think? I think it's just a almost circumstance, really. I think he's suddenly playing in a team that's got players of a, a similar level to him and, and that are on the same wavelength, certainly in Bruno Fernandes. And, I mean, the two teams you mentioned previously, Juventus and France, were brilliantly coached teams full of world-class players where Pogba knew his role. And I think for too long at United, that's not been the case, really. They've there's been changes in managers, changes in personnel. Too many players who, who, frankly, were stealing a living playing every week for Manchester United. And, you know, I don't think Pogba necessarily has, has felt comfortable in, in those teams. I think if you took Pogba out of United and went and put him in the Burnley team, I think he's more likely to sink to their level than sort of their they rise to his level, if you know what I mean. If you took Bruno Fernandes out of United team and put him in the Burnley team, I think he'd get very frustrated. But I think he'd lift players up rather than necessarily sink to their level. And I think that's always been the thing with Pogba, that if you put him in a world-class team, then he's going to make that team better. 
but not necessarily be able to to lift the team up. And for too long at United, that's been the case really that he's been the person, you know, he's been the one world class star and a team that's not functioning properly. So the pressure's been on him to perform, and he's not really coped with that. Now the whole team's performing. The team are very well coached at the moment. Everyone knows their game. There's players Pogba can bounce off like Fernandez, and I think you're getting the best out of him. And you know, it might be he's certainly in the best form for for two years since Oscar's honeymoon period. Perhaps longer than that now, really, given the way he's influencing games. You know, more consistently. Then he was scoring goals and assisting, but from a high position. Now he's influencing games a little bit more in an all-round midfield performance. So you've got to say it's his best form probably in, in more than two years and, you know, perhaps his, his best performances as a whole for United. And I mean, if it can continue until the end of the season, then I think it puts them in with a serious chance of, of winning the title because you look at a midfield that contains Pogba and Fernandes and, and there's probably none better in the Premier League even when City have got De Bruyne fit. Absolutely, yeah. It's interesting for me, just, just another point on Pogba is that the discussion was always about where he should play in midfield and, and people would argue what his best best position was. Solskjaer seems to have flipped that on his head and Pogba's now being used almost as a, a Swiss army knife as a player, playing on the left, on the right deeper midfield, wherever wherever you like. And and that's sort of a testament to Solskjaer and, and Pogba as well, I guess. Um, just one more, Samuel, on, on Pogba. Is there any chance that this spur to form and that a United title challenge could change the situation regarding his future? Or are we still looking at an exit in the summer? You know, uh, to, to, a million to dollars. I, I, no, I don't think it is, but to... I don't know. So to, to quote Lloyd Lloyd Christmas, so you're saying there's a chance, you know, it's it's kind of <laughs> like it's it's kind of like that that that, that scenario really. I mean, it, I do find that talk quite quite tedious. It's it's obviously the um, it's the go-to topic just because he's he is playing well and United are top and and they're doing well. And also there is, I think, the justifiable qualm or what certainly works in United's favour is that can you really see Barcelona or Real Madrid spending 80-odd million pounds on him in the summer? United shouldn't shouldn't be saying, look, we'll, we'll take the 20 million pound hit on this player just to get rid of him. No way are they going to do that if he manages to sustain this form until the end of the season. So it's a strange set of circumstances in that they might end up losing him for no fee at all next year. I, I can I can see that happening just because of the pandemic. But then do United have to compromise as to just getting a fee for him? Because they really cannot afford to lose him for, for to let him go on a free. Uh, it's, there are so many nuances at play here. And I think if he does end up at United beyond the summer and he stays there, then I don't think it's through his own will. I think it's because the pandemic has caused a, you know, it's it's like the, the Wall Street crash in terms of its impact on, on the transfer market and how depressed it is. I don't think Madrid even spent a penny in the summer. I think they, they were that frugal um, with their finances. So because of that, maybe, and where there's an opportunity with Pogba, a year left in his contract, there's a year left on Kim Bappe's contract, if he hasn't signed a renewal by the time the summer window comes along, then maybe they can justify spending money on, on one of those players. But I, I don't envisage... I really can't see Madrid going out there and signing both those players in a in a post-pandemic or, I mean, the pandemic will still be probably still ongoing. You don't know what the vaccination rate will be like in Spain, in France. Uh, it's, it is impossible to tell. I think that if if there is some kind of normality in terms of the window, then 
Pogba will go and United win the title, it's it's a happy divorce. It's it's very, very amicable in that he's actually, in a very improbable way, um, ended his career winning the Premier League title. So although that people would say, well, that's an incentive for him to stay, it's as much an incentive for him to go because he wants to play in Spain or go back to to Italy. As I said before, his his wife's Bolivian. Um, you know, there's a Spanish speaking side to it. There's just the the career, the careerist in Pogba that wants to play for Real Madrid as well, which is completely understandable. Don't hold that against him. The only issue that there's been during his um, his desire to play in Spain is how he and his agent have conducted themselves um, on a number of occasions. But it seems like there's a you know. There's a date on there for the time being uh, until the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know my hair's starting to resemble Lloyd Christmas in uh, in a lockdown, but I'll try not to take a dumb and dumber reference as a as too much of a slight. We'll we'll quickly move say, on. I was going to say I, I was going to say more maybe more Anton Sugar from No Country for the Bold Men. Oh, you see, that's a reference. That's too highbrow reference for me. I get the dumb and dumber <laughs> references. Uh, we'll quickly move on, Ty. There's a, a another big game for United this weekend against Liverpool. We're going to have to talk about about that FA Cup game a little bit later. But let's, let's talk about the title race as it now stands and Liverpool's result against Burnley. Uh, we're recording this on the Friday lunchtime. That that result on Thursday night, Ty, seems to have injected United fans with even more hope about their, their title hopes this season. Gary Neville lauding it over, over Jamie Carragher and Liverpool fans, as you probably would expect. I think that there's multiple videos now of Neville opening a bottle of champagne after various Liverpool results. Uh, what do you make of it? Look, I don't think personally that Liverpool are out of the title race. I think they're obviously going through a lull at the moment. City probably, you'd say, the favourites. How, how do you see the, the, the race as it goes? I think I think City have to be favourites at the moment, uh, given the way they've been performing recently. I think for Liverpool, we're going to find out over the next month whether it's over for them or not. Uh, I mean, City are favourites because they've had a month of very amenable fixtures and have taken advantage by winning every single one of them and looking good doing it generally. Liverpool have had a month of amenable fixtures, you know, apart from that United game and have fluffed their lines in, in every one of them. So... I think there's been a major a major swing there in terms of who we can expect to challenge and, and who's going to be United's closest challenges, should we say, or the team United have to beat. Um, I mean, yeah, Liverpool are six points behind, but you know, it's a team that's got 97 and 99 points, I think, of the last two seasons. So we know they can perform. They're not looking on it right now. And the problem is they've... They've had this bad run of results against, you know, relatively poor teams. And now they've got some really difficult games over the next month. So if they to stand a chance, they probably have to win those. You know, they have to be beating Tottenham, they have to be beating Leicester and beating City. So come this time next month, we'll probably know for sure whether Liverpool are completely out of it or if they've managed a, a revival. On, on current evidence, you'd have to say they're out of it. But this is a season, really, that's kind of made fools of all of us with with predictions. I mean, we all thought United were in for a slog of a season in October when they lost 6-1 to Tottenham. Tottenham have been in a title race, out of a title race, and are now back in a title race. So we're not even halfway through the season. Chelsea were in a title race and are now a laughing stock and should sack their manager. So, you know, things have changed so quickly this season that the idea of making any kind of long-term predictions is a, a fool's paradise, really. And it's, you know, it's already made fools of of quite a lot of us. And I think the way Tottenham season's panned out is, is a prime example that they were flavour of the month. Then Mourinho was finished again and, and now they're back in a title race. So it shows how quickly things can change. But on the evidence of the past month, City and United look the two most informed teams in the league at the moment. And the two you'd have to say are, are most likely, maybe 
along with Leicester and, and Tottenham at the moment. But I think it's yeah. probably a little too early to write off Liverpool. But the next month will, will probably be instructive on that. Yeah, yeah a fool's errand uh, to make predictions. This is why I'm always asking uh, you two to make predictions on this <laughs> podcast. Um, but... Uh, I guess, I guess, Samuel, it's United's game against the big teams. And you maybe look back on that game against Liverpool at Anfield with the missed opportunities for United to win the game. Uh, United really have to improve that record against the bigger sides if they're to sustain a challenge in the, the second half of the season. Because I think it's one goal against those teams and two points or three points. And that, that one goal in a 6 yeah. one defeat. Yeah, yeah. In a, yeah, a penalty in a 6 one defeat. Solskjaer needs to address that or rediscover what he had last season against the big teams. It's difficult to explain that that drop-off um, in, in performances in, in those games because that record last season was was very good. There's, there's the quirk against Arsenal in that they've they've not beaten Arsenal in, in the league since since Wenger left. I think it's probably five games they've lost what um, lost three and drawn two against them. So that's that's an odd one. Um, but if, if you were to go through the games individually this season, Tottenham, obviously, they were just annihilated and they were out of sorts. Um, I think they'd have lost that game comfortably, even if Marshall wasn't sent off. The Chelsea game, I'd say Chelsea were extremely unambitious and went to Old Trafford looking for a nil-nil draw. They got it. Arsenal, it's a daft foul by Pogba. Arsenal scored their penalty. Um, United were very, very tepid that day. The City game, it was almost, it felt to me like the Man- Mancunian equivalent of West Germany, Austria in the 82 World Cup, where they just agreed to a 1-0 result so that Algeria wouldn't get wouldn't get through and those two teams qualified. That that was a really, really strange derby that played out, especially in front of no supporters. City were the better side in the Carabao Cup. And United missed a couple of very good opportunities at, at Anfield where they, they certainly grew into the game in the second half, but the overall performance was certainly from the forwards, was, was problematic. And Solskjaer was probably a problem in the way he set them up as well, in that he thought Rashford could cut it as a centre-forward. You know, Anthony Martial, I think Alexander-Arnold's not been having a good time bit late, but then you come up against Anthony Martial and suddenly it's it's the pick-me-up that you need because Martial just, for whatever reason, whenever his nose is put out of joint, um, he doesn't react well to it. So it, it is, it, as I said, it's a strange record that, that certainly needs addressing if they are to come come close to win the title. Because as Ty said, they've got these these away games at Tottenham City and Chelsea to come in the second half of the season, which are going to be key. But going into this weekend's one, it's it, it, it is difficult to. It's just a weird one because. Liverpool are there for the taking at the moment, but United have a certain way of approaching these games where pragmatism has, has gotten through them. Certainly last season, I know they beat Chelsea 4-0 in the weekend, but I'd say the first hour of that game, Chelsea were the better side and the game just turned in its head when Harry Maguire dispossessed Tammy Abraham and United scored on the breakaway and after that they ran riot. But they don't really take the front foot approach in these games against the elite. Um, City were beaten twice last season. And OK, the first half of, of the Etihad derby, United probably could have scored four goals because of the way they were counter-attacking. But Solskjaer recently accepted that you know there was an element of them having to hold on and be defensive for pretty much the whole of the second half. But with the players they've got in the form they've got at the moment, you'd think maybe now's the time to try and you know step up with that front-footed approach and certainly the way Liverpool are playing, although Liverpool are going to be very, very dangerous. You know, it's the whole cliched wounded animal aspect after the Burnley defeat. You would still encourage United to try and take the game 
them more than they did at Anfield. And I don't blame them the way they played at Anfield. I think it was perfectly understandable the way they approached that game and the balance was was reasonable. It was just that Fernandes had probably his worst game for the club. Rashford was offside more often than Filippo Inzaghi and Marshall was Marshall was Marshall at the moment. So um I think it depends on how he get how he shapes the attack this weekend. I, I don't think there's any justification for Marshall starting. But the problem is, OK, Rashford and Cavani, if they start, who plays on the right? Pogba seems to be it seems to be a waste to play Pogba there. Although he p- performed quite respectably at Liverpool, I think you want him in a different kind of role. So maybe it's him on the left, Rashford on the right, Cavani up top, Fernandes behind them. That, that would probably be my attacking quartet going into that game. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see because obviously some players who are, are out of form and maybe you say that the FA Cup is the perfect time to, to get them into something approaching uh, better form. There's the, the Van der Beek issue that we keep talking about. I'm not going to bang that drum as much on this podcast because it, it, I think it probably we need to wait and see whether he does start the, the Liverpool game or not. Um, a chance for Ahmad Diallo maybe, Tyrone, after his arrival? Or is it maybe a little bit too soon for, for him, especially in a game like this against Liverpool? I think it's probably a little bit too soon given how sort of Greening is in terms of, of senior first team football. I mean, I don't think he's completed 90 minutes yet in, throughout his career of all his, his sub appearances for Atalanta. So he's still very inexperienced. So I think throwing him in, in an FA Cup fourth round tie against Liverpool is, is probably a little too soon. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what, what changes both teams make, really. Liverpool have treated the cup with disdain under Klopp, really. I think the strong team he picked at Villa in the last round was purely because they had so long between games. I, you wouldn't be surprised if he made changes this time around. And, you know, Solskjaer's been, been the tinker man, really, this season. He's been the king of rotation with the changes he's made, probably with the idea of, of keeping players fresh come March, which looks a pretty astute plan. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see. I certainly, I mean, I know you said you're not going to mention Van der Beek. I would consider starting him ahead of Fernandes, to be honest, and just sort of throw him in at the deep end because he needs games as well. I mean, he's not come off the bench since the last FA Cup game. And Fernandes, I know Solskjaer, passionately defended the idea against Fernandez being tired last week and, and he was probably proven right on Wednesday with the way Fernandez played at Fulham but he other than Harry Maguire he's played the most minutes for United in all competitions this season it, it's twice it, they played twice a week since September they're going to play twice a week until the end of next month at the very least you'd have thought possibly longer than that and you know Fernandez does need a rest because although Pogba's taken the the heat off him a bit he's still United's key man really so be interesting to see the the level of changes that the both teams make Really, um, it does feel like an option for an opportunity for United to, to get some goals. Samuel touched on it before, and you know, they've not scored from open play against any of the big six since the Manchester derby, which was the last game before lockdown back in March. I think then they've only had penalties to show from, from eight games against them, so it shows that suddenly the, the goal scoring touches deserted them. And it, I mean, it's a bit of a quirk all round going back to the title race that you know, I think we were all writing in June and July when Rashford, Greenwood, and Martial were pretty much scoring in every game that United had a front three capable of winning the league. And yet all three of them are underperforming their numbers last season. And here we are with United sat top of the league. Um, so it's a bit of a quirk, really, that what seemed to be United's strength hasn't fired as much this season. And it's not, you know, it's not cost them just yet. But, you know, all three of those have, have had their struggles. Martial has particularly been poor. Greenwood's having a difficult season and, and Rashford sort of firing in fits and starts. So maybe a chance to get a bit of confidence into them. And, and if they can find the back of the net and, and kind of end that, that record against the big six and just look a bit more confident in one of these games, then it'll probably give them some confidence, especially going to Arsenal next weekend. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be an interesting one to to watch this weekend and see. Uh, I do agree, by the way, I think Van der Beek should start. I, I just wanted to maybe wait until we, he does or he doesn't, until we have the debate once again about... Uh, 
about his playing time, but uh, maybe an issue we can come on in next week's podcast. I'm going to ask you both uh, a prediction of sorts. Uh, come to you first, Samuel, because you love predictions so much. It obviously depends on what kind of team United play. Uh, I think I said earlier in the week that they should maybe stagger four or five changes across the two of these games this week. Uh, do you think that will happen? And and if so, do you think that relatively strong United team that we should see uh, is capable of winning this one? Was, was it two changes at Fulham? Was it was it by two or three? Cavani? Was it by yeah. Cavani and that was it, it wasn't it? I think was it just those was two? It, maybe it was two. I thought it was three, but maybe it was two. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can I can see that four or five changes because you'd think I think Henderson's going to start and. I think what Lee, the, the interesting thing is that at the risk of underestimating Sheffield United, but I think it's fair to do that. United playing them in their midweek game, and that seems like a game where you can make four or five changes and get away with it, uh, given that although there's this whole level playing field of behind closed doors games, um, Sheffield United just seem destined for the championship, unfortunately. I, I don't think there's a team that have missed their supporters more, more than them this season. So that is maybe one that because United playing Liverpool this weekend and Liverpool having, you know, had was was Salah and was Salah and Marnie on the bench last night? They were, weren't they? They started on the bench. No, Marnie started, I think. Sorry, Marnie really... started, but Henderson Salah didn't came start on. either, did it? Henderson no, didn't start. So, so so Liverpool, although as as Ty said, you know, they, they have treated the cup with disdain, pretty much deliberately getting themselves knocked out in probably two or three of the last four seasons on the clock. I think that given the results they've had, they are going to have to treat it a little more seriously, even if they do put um, Callagher in goal and make it and on the on the off chance they make strange decisions like that. Um, but they they probably played a stronger side than expected at, at Villa in the in the last round. So United have got to. I think United have got to treat it like they treated the Fulham game in the week, and that they do limit the changes. Okay, Henderson comes in, Rashford probably comes in. I think. It, it's one of those games that's for McTominay and Fred as well. Other than that, I wouldn't be surprised if there are many more changes. Maybe Lindelof, depending on whether he's fit or not. And then you can maybe you, know, you can bring Van der Beek in for the Sheffield United game. I just don't think it's the time to be experimental with Van der Beek. And frankly, Van der Beek had such a dismal December when he did have chances to play that I, I still think this, this game is too big for him, um, which is a strange thing to say about someone of... Of, uh, about a player who's as good as he is and has the pedigree he does, but that's just the way it's been going for him this season. But given the way United are going at the moment, I, I do fancy them to win. I, I fancied them to win before Liverpool, surprisingly, lost to Burnley. Yeah, I've got to say, I do fancy them to win as well. Uh, Tyrone, your prediction before we, we wrap up today's episode? Um, I would... I, I'm, Agree with Samuel on Van der Beek. Firstly, I, I do think he's probably not done enough to to start, but it kind of feels like he needs a, a litmus test game like this. But I, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he didn't start. Prediction: I think United will have too much as well. I, I think a lot. I mean, this could look foolish when the teams are announced because a lot depends on team selections. But on current form, you've got to think United will, will have too much, and you know it it could well be comfortable if they get an early lead and, and Liverpool's confidence disappears. So yeah, I think United United two nil. As, as routine as this kind of game can get. That's uh, Tyrone with a classic Samuel tactic there of saying we should do a pre and post team news prediction. Uh, <laughs> may, maybe we should do a special post team news podcast to uh, to quickly get those predictions in. Uh, but thank you very much, uh, Tyrone and Samuel, um, for your contributions today. Thanks for watching. If you've been watching this on our Facebook Live, and thank you uh, for listening. Please subscribe and share, and we'll be back for another episode of the Manchester Is Red podcast very soon. Thanks for listening.